Uh, so welcome, everybody. Um, if you don't have the book, um, I don't believe we have any upstairs for you, but you can borrow other people's Amazon Prime account, and you can order them and then uh, get free shipping. So the book is Untangling Emotions, written by two uh, Westminster Theological Seminary grads. Um, one of them is the director of a, a counseling center um, up in, I think up in New England somewhere. Um, the other one, the other one, I think he's Anglican. So, because he's, he's um, the rector at St. Anne's Church in Pennsylvania. But at any rate, um, we're, going to, we're going to dive into this. Now, if you were here for the anger series, I think, I think you'll see a lot of similarities. I think you'll feel like, there's that word, by the way, we're going to talk about that word. I think, notice that word too, you'll feel like that this is really just an expansion of the anger series that we did. So we kind of honed in just on one emotion of anger. Whereas this is going to kind of open up the floodgates and we're going to talk about a whole lot of things. So my job today is to assure you that you're at the right place at the right time. But if you decide not to, judges is upstairs. So they can, you can pretend, you can go to the land where there is no king and everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Or <laughs> maybe we'll find out that this is a very similar place. Um, so I thought about how do I talk about a book that I've, read once um and then i realized oh these guys these guys put an introduction in there for us and i thought what a better way to introduce and to sell you to the class than to let the authors do the talking for me so we're going to do a little bit of that and then we might say well all right but we are reformed presbyterians how are we supposed to think about our emotions and so thus if you got the email uh, we're actually going to go through the Westminster Confession of Faith and some of the larger catechism questions in a particular order. And we're going to see, are there emotions, are there affections in here? Or is this all just, this just high theology and philosophy? So we're going to answer that question, and you probably already know the answer. But let's pray, and then we'll start. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day, this gift that you have given us given your church to worship you, to set aside from our normal activities during the week, and to focus on you. Father, we thank you that you have created us as humans in, in a fashion that is similar to you in some ways and different from you in some ways. And Father, we will find out that our emotional state is, is both of those things. So we pray that uh, we would think rightly about the way that you have created us, that we would think rightly about you, that we would begin to understand the effects of the fall and begin to understand what sanctification does after we're saved as it, as it affects our emotions. So help us to think rightly, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the book starts off with the question, how do you feel about how you feel? How do you feel about how you feel? Now, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you how I grew up thinking about affections um, and emotions. So my father um, was not a big fan of them. 
Um, which is ironic the more I, I read this book and thought about it, and ironic myself, because I would, I would say, like, most of the time I'm going to tell you, well, here's what I think about something. Rarely will you hear the words, here's what I feel about something come out of Josh's lips. Now, maybe it's because I'm a guy, but maybe not. Um, because in, in the world I lived in and grew up in, oh, the way we thought about something, like our intellect and our mind, that was something that we could trust. But our emotions, oh my goodness, those things are all over the place, change from day to day, change from hour to hour, change from minute to minute. Those things are not to be trusted. But certainly the way we think about things is a much, it's a much safer place to be as, as we live our lives. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Too much of a separation, as if one doesn't affect the other. Okay, good. This is for you. How's that make you feel? How's that make you feel? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel intimidated. Jacob feels intimidated by the gift I gave him. That was not, not what I wanted. What, what do y'all think about this? That the intellect is something that can be trusted because it's more stable, whereas the emotions are not, and therefore we should cast doubt upon them, or maybe not rely on them. How about the effect of the fall? Has the fall affected our emotions? I think we would all say yes. How about our minds? Yes. So this idea of, well, one is more trustworthy than the other one, I think scripture would say, and we're going to look at this in the confession too, I think scripture would say, hold on a second, you need to think about that before you decide, oh, that's the way that, that we should, things we should trust. Um, so how do you feel about how you feel? It's really a matter, the question is really, what, what do you think about emotions? And I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, and I realize I do a lot of thinking I don't do a lot of feeling, or do I? So I started asking myself, how does that make you feel? I did, a, I did to, what I did to Jacob, how does that make you feel? And I realized, oh, you know what, I do feel a lot, but I don't like to talk about it, even to myself, right? Like, I live in the world of, I live in the world of, what do you think, how does that, how does that make you feel is rarely a question I ask myself. But what do you think about that? Oh, okay, I can, I can go on for hours answering that question, right? So I realize, how do you feel about how you feel? I try not to, I guess, is the answer to the question. But we're going to talk more about this in the class. So here's what the author says, authors, plural. Um, this is on page 13, if you have the book. Um, for those of you who are like, this is, this is the book we're going through, Untangling Emotions. Amazon Prime, Some, someone has an account in here and they will give you that so that you get free. We got, you, Sarah will order you as many books as you want on her account. <laughs> the question is, how do you feel about how you feel? Emotions are strange, the authors say. They're strange in that they can make us behave in ways we don't want to. Strange in that they can flood through our bodies whether we like it or not. Strange in that they can help us see and do things we would never have done without them. Strange in that most of us don't know 
or even stop to ask why we are feeling what we are feeling most of the time? I was like, yeah, that would be me. That's a question I rarely ask myself. And that's why we wrote this book, they said. We want to help you understand what your emotions are and aren't and what you can do about it. The reality is, while we might be slow to admit it, we're all troubled by our emotions. So they're going to talk about why that is the case. So what I'm trying to do in this class is tease you enough to say, I want to go to this class and not the judges class above without saying too much and taking away the thunder of anyone else teaching. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be broad but, but thin, right? And we're going to rely on, as we explore this book, to, uh, to answer more questions. So that's the question for us. How do you feel about how you feel? Who this book is for? The authors say, we hope three different kinds of people will pick up this book. First, we are writing for those whose emotions tend toward the extremes. We are writing for those whose emotions, well, what would the extremes of emotions be? What do you think? Yeah. Okay, uncontrollable emotions and a bunch of them, right? And that we live our life controlled by the, all these emotions, right? What would the opposite extreme be? Yes. We're like an emotional zombie. I have no feelings. I don't trust my feelings. So they, the authors say, hey, we're writing, we're writing this book for, for you if you find yourself in one of those categories, right? If you feel like The Walking Dead... Or if you're one of those who gets swept away by emotional tides, both have a daily need for God's comfort, help, courage, and wisdom. So that's the first group. Second, if emotions baffle you, maybe it's your own emotions you can't figure out. Maybe it's the emotional storm of a loved one. Or maybe you just can't understand why certain people in your life do the things they do and you feel lost. If you find yourself in that category, oh, by the way, you can be in multiple categories because already I'm in two categories. Um, this, is, this book is for you. And finally, we are writing to you if you want to love and care for people whose emotions, for one reason or another, have them over a barrel. As counselors, we know how challenging it can be to care for emotionally volatile people, and we want to help you move into their lives with wisdom and practical ideas. And one thing I will say about this book is it is very practical, which is good. In fact, it's going to scare you, but at the end of every chapter, guess what there are? Questions. At the end of the book, guess what you find? Blank pages that say notes at the top of them. So, very practical this book is. They expect you to read this book with a pencil in your hand and coffee and caffeine in your veins. Right. All right. <coughs> They tell us that emotions are a gift. Emotions are a gift. The Bible has a lot to teach us about emotions, they say. And we will, we will go through this, so I'm trying not to take the next person's thunder. I don't know, that, I don't know who has what. So, are you teaching that? Okay, Jacob's teaching that. But I don't know what he's teaching, so I don't know. Here's a few critical truths that we will be exploring in the book. 
Emotions are an essential way we bear God's image. God expresses emotions, and he designed us to express emotions too. Now, who got nervous when I read that? I got nervous the first time I read that. I was like, who are these guys? Immediately, I went to the back. I was like, where'd they go to school? I was like, oh, okay, they're Westminster grads. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, in the appendix, they have a, a chapter called, Does God Really Feel? I don't know if we're actually going to be able to get that far in the book and talk about it, but it's there, and it would probably be good for you to read that if that, if that first sentence that I just read, that God expresses emotions and he's designed us to express emotions too, if that makes you nervous in any way, uh, read that chapter. It's good. It goes into the high theology of the doctrine of God's impassibility. And if you don't know what that is, then go ahead and read the chapter because it would be good for you to read. So, God has chosen to reveal himself in the language of emotions and our emotions are an aspect of his choice to create us to be like him. Do we have Bible verses we can think of that show God the Father having emotions? Does he, do we ever read anywhere about? Okay, there you go. That's excellent. That God is pleased, in, God the Father is pleased with his son and the obedience his son is showing. Yeah, that's excellent. All right. This one made me a little more comfortable. Jesus leads the way with emotions. Ah, Jesus gives a, us a perfect picture of human emotions in action. So we're going to spend some time thinking about Christ as fully God and fully man, and as fully man, an emotional being, and therefore him having to deal with his emotions too. Um, and how emotions have many important roles. They tell us about ourselves and what's going on inside and around us. They also can provide us with the motivation and energy to take action when important things need to be done. Again, if you were here for the anger class, right, that's what the anger class helped us to see, is that being angry is not always bad because the Bible tells us to be angry and do not sin, right? And then we looked at Christ's example of anger, and then we realized, you know what, there are times when we should be angry. And there are times when, if we're not angry, then that's a sinful time. So we're going to kind of apply the thought process and the principles that we learned in the anger class um, with a, a lot more emotions. So here's where we're going in this book. So the first part is going to talk about emotions in everyday life. And what's interesting is we're going to talk about emotions I think it's around chapter three that we stop and define what we mean by that, which I think is interesting. But I think the author does it purposefully that way. So kind of gets you thinking the way you're thinking, and then he's going to challenge you. Are you thinking about these things correctly? Um, and I, th I think that's good. Um, part two focuses on how to engage our emotions. It's not about changing your emotions, but how to respond to them and bring them to God. And then part three we're really going to dive into um, the most common things we think about as emotions, like fear and anger and sorrow and guilt and shame. So we're going to focus on those particular things, and we're going to look at 
um, what the Word of God says about things like that and how, how do we deal with emotions like those sorts of things. So, all right, let's, let's look at the importance of emotions in Reformed theology. Both these guys are Westminster grads. So, is there anything in here on emotions? By the way, what words are key words in here, because this was not written yesterday, what are some key words in your version, maybe, that would clue us in on this talking about an emotion? What do you think? Okay, so to give us examples of things that are emotions good, how about, would there be a, mm, would there be a different word that they would use? Like, are, do we expect to find the word emotion in here, in our older versions? What would that word be? Affections, yeah, yeah. So here's what I thought we would do. Um... Raise your hand if you have your confession with you that I can call upon. Okay, good, 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 good. good. So um, I'm going to assign some folk the quick homework of having to read through. And then what I want them to do is tease out any reference to emotions or feeling or affections. Now, some of them are going to be easy because the word affections is in there. But others, oh, might be a little, might be a little more difficult. So, would you look at chapter six? And I think there's one in front of that. Uh, we'll, we'll start with chapter six. And who else has theirs? <coughs> Oh, here we go. Um, chapter 8. Who else has one? Jacob has one. Um, and a Volvo book. That intimidates him. Um, chapter 13. Who, who else has one? Yes, okay. I think we're going to jump, start jumping into um, the commandments. So, once you do... Um, Commandment number one. So this would be in the larger catechism. So the first commandment, which is question. Um, no, you know what? I'll, I'll let you have a fun one. How about question 39 of the larger catechism? Why did Christ have to be a man? And then, uh, then I think we'll jump into the. All right, who else has one? Yes, Olivia's like, oh, no. Uh, the first commandment, Olivia. So that is question number um, 104. Yours, that one might be a little harder, but I, I have no doubt you can find it. All right, and then um, who else has You guys have one? Yes. How about, how about the question right after that? Let's do 105. Who else? How about, um, how about the fourth commandment? Anybody else? All right. How about uh, the, so the sixth commandment? Anybody else? Okay, how about the seventh commandment? Who wants the eighth 
ninth and tenth commandments. I'll, I'll do those. I'll read those. You all, and y'all can follow along too. So what we're going to do is, um, as you find your section, your assigned section, and you find anything related to affections or emotions in there, then you will jump forward to the next person and the next person. So that by the end, we're all just following along in the confession and, and reading along. But hold your finger. Hold your finger for now on yours. All right. So what did we find out about? Who was our first one? What did you find out? Where are you and what did you find out? Were you chapter 8? Six. Six. All right, go for it. It's on the fall of man. Man became wholly defiled in what? Just this reading, the one, two, three of it, lust of hers. Oh, oh, she's just looking at, like, where, yeah, where in there do we find something about? So, in chapter 6, in section 2, what, what do you read? Some of these are hard. She got a hard one. Olivia got a hard one. It says, it's talking about our first parents. By this sin... They fell from their original righteousness and communion with God and became dead in sin and wholly defiled where? Wholly defiled in. Okay, so our, our first parents became, when they sinned, wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. Do the emotions fit somewhere in that category? Yes. Wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. So they were created perfect and sinless. They were created with the ability to sin. They were created with the free choice of, with, with nothing in them tending them to want to sin and nothing in them necessarily tending them to want to obey. They were perfectly free, but afterwards, now they're wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. So, are our emotions fallen? Yes. Are our minds fallen? Yes. I don't have to ask you if you're over the age of 29, if your bodies are fallen, because we look in the mirror every day and we say, yes, right? These... Faculties of soul and body, wholly defiled. Okay, that's chapter 6. Chapter 8 is on Christ the mediator. Anything in there about? And the language would be kind of relatively the same. It's in that second. It's in the second. Yeah. The Son of God is what it says in that one. Uh-huh. Man's nature was all the essential properties of Adam, Adam, and human beings both are without error. Good. So, it says that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, He, when the fullness of time was come, He took upon Him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof. 
Does that category include our emotions? So Jesus had full human emotions. Yes. But what's different about his than ours? What was that last little part? Yes, yet his emotions are sinless, but our emotions are fallen. So when we read in the New Testament about Jesus being angry, do we ever read that? Yes. Um, his is a righteous anger, sinless anger, right? So this is where we need to be careful and say, ah, well, Jesus, yeah, but Jesus' emotions are, are perfectly sinless, whereas Ours are fallen. Okay. Who's next? Did we talk about... So after justification comes sanctification. Who's got chapter 13? Yes, Jacob. Anything? Emotions in there? Not explicitly, but I think the first, uh, the first paragraph. They who are once effectually called are now generally having a new heart and a new spirit created in them according to God. Okay, so... So then we would say, if that includes our emotions, then what are our emotions now? They're renewed. Are they the same as Christ's? Right. They're in process of becoming more like Christ, but they're, they're yet they're still fallen, right? In fact, section 2 says, sanctification is in the whole man, which would include emotions, yet imperfect in this life, there abiding still some remnants of corruption in every part. That includes our emotions, right? Yes. And this is, I love this language. Whence ariseth a continual and irreconcilable war. Doesn't that describe you? I'm like, that's what Paul's talking about, right? The stuff I want to do, I don't do. And the stuff I do, I don't do. I don't. There, our emotions are in a continual and irreconcilable war. Inside of us, because it's the sin nature still fighting against the spirit working in us. So, um, yes, our emotions are being sanctified, but they are not yet perfectly so in this life. All right, who had the next one? Did you say Ooh, I think I did. What did I say? 39. 39. Sorry. 39. Question 39 of the larger catechism. The question is, why was it requisite that the mediator should be man? In other words, why was it absolutely necessary that Jesus fully be a man? Right. So because Jesus did what? Are we able to receive adoption as sons and have comfort, comfort and access to the throne of grace? Because Jesus what? Yes. And what what is implied in this idea of Jesus became man? What? Yes. Jesus has emotions, right? He has affections. He there's things he loves, there's things he he hates, right? A fellow feeling of our infirmities, right? He, 
that he might advance our nature. He had a human nature, right? So that's just reminding us that's why Jesus had to be a man. Jesus had to have those things. If he wasn't fully man, he didn't have affections. He couldn't represent us. And therefore, adoption as sons goes away and the comfort that we have because he was fully man and that he understands us is not there. Good. All right. Who is next? Kim, what did, what did I give you, Kim? How did I jump so far ahead? Oh, you were reluctant. You were my reluctant volunteer. All right, so I think we jump to, y'all understand the larger catechism, right? So the, what does the larger catechism teach us about Scripture? What does it say? The principal things that Scripture teaches are what? What man is to believe concerning God, and that's what we've just been talking. We just talked about theology, right? We talked about uh, human nature, perfect before the fall, fallen after the fall, being sanctified because of Christ, Christ himself taking on our human nature, yet without sin, right? So that's the things concerning God. And what God requires of man, and what does God require of man? Obedience. Obedience to what? His law. Guess what the larger catechism has? His laws. It just works. We're just so lucky. It worked out that way. So, you may not know this, but there's a whole section on the Ten Commandments in here. In fact, after I read, so my Bible got lost. I don't know how that happened. And I got a new one. And, like, I got to Psalm 119. Like, I was reading it from Genesis straight through. I'm in Acts right now. But when I got to Psalm 119, I was convicted that I don't think about the law of God enough. So, every night I read a section of the larger catechism on one of the commandments. Now, it's broken down this way. Every commandment has a question that says, well, first it says, well, what is the commandment? And then it, the scripture is quoted. And then it says, well, how do you obey that commandment? And it teases out all these things that I never would have thought about. And then it says, how do you break that commandment? And then it teases out more answers. So that's what we're going to look at when we go through the commandments, right? We, we know what, what scripture teaches us about God. Now the question is, well, what duty does he require of us to obey his law? How do we obey God's law? Can, are our emotions involved when we're obeying God's law? That's kind of what we're looking at right now. So let's go through the commandments. Who had commandment number one? Go for it. Did you see anything related to emotions? Yes. 
So we're seeing that to obey the first commandment will require our emotions to be involved, right? Yes, good. Um, yes, so we have to choose God. We have to love God. We have to desire God, fearing God. All these things include our emotions, right? And we are supposed to yield all obedience and su submission to him with the whole man, including our emotion so we can't obey the first commandment without engaging our emotions very good olivia all right um fourth commandment why did i skip the second and third Yeah. But but still, you know, coming together with God's people, um, praising Him, worshiping Him, God is a, is a response. Yeah. To turn our emotions to Him, especially on this. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, the making it our delight. How how do you obey the fourth commandment with your emotions by making this day a delight? Making making it our delight that's interesting and we're going to talk more about that so i'm not going to talk more about it but there's something there it's like you're forcing yourself to feel something or to have an emotion maybe sometimes we have to do that right you did that with your kids though right you know when one kid was hating the other one you're like no you're not gonna act that way to your brother right we we as parents we all know this all right sixth commandment who's my who's my sixer Go for it. Well, um, the fifth commandment in the back of the fifth, uh, the love of Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Who was the fifth commandment? Did I not get the fifth commandment? Uh, I, I'll, I'm sorry. The fifth commandment, I'll come right back to you. What is the fifth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. Come on, you had your kids memorize that one, right? Every time you spanked them, you're like, well, what was the fifth commandment? Here's why you're getting a spanking. What was the fifth commandment, right? So one question, this, if you have not read this commandment, you've got, you got to go home tonight and you've got you to read this because it breaks down why, 
why does it talk about father and mother? Because it teases out us talking about superiors. This is a relationship between superiors and inferiors. Well, why does it talk about superiors as a mother and father? That's what this question is. Why are superiors styled father and mother in this commandment? Here's the answer. Superiors are styled father and mother, both to teach them in all duties toward their inferiors, like natural parents, to express love and tenderness to them according to their relationships. So part of obeying the fifth commandment is love and affection that we have for one another. Um, so we can't obey it without, without our emotions. Sorry, I didn't give five. Go ahead, you number six. Yes. Yes. Subduing all passions. Yeah. An, an extreme passion. I'm getting myself so worked up that I want to kill somebody. How, how, many, how many of y'all felt that way? Yes. Very good. So, so how do you so how do you keep the sixth commandment? You subdue all passions. How do you break the sixth commandment? Oh well, you have sinful anger, you have hatred, you have envy, you desire revenge, and have any excessive passion. It says, that's that's all emotions there. Uh, all right, good. Uh, seventh. That's right. Like affections would be the emotional part of that. Right. Um, let's see. Also, I saw uh, tolerating and keeping it true. Allowing, tolerating, and keeping it true. And I think to me, God, the word true is like a grudge against someone, maybe? It means a whorehouse. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, so. Yep. Yeah, brothels. Yeah, brothels, exactly. Brothels. Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> but you're exactly right. There's our word affection, right? Keying in, keying in. Now the confession is directly, expressly talking about emotions, right? So we see if we look at the duties required in the seventh commandment, chastity in body, mind, and affections. If you've never thought about chastity in any other thing, that are you having chastity in your mind and in the way you feel? Um. And how do you break it? Oh, well, you break it because of all your unclean imaginations, thoughts, purposes, and unclean affections, mm -hmm. right? So now we can start throwing adjectives on top of our emotions. Is that an unclean emotion? Is that a sinful emotion that you're having? If so, you're breaking the seventh commandment. All right, good. Eighth. The, are these where I just dumped them on myself? Anyone got eight? No, it was me. Okay. Uh, the duties required in the eighth commandment are, what is the eighth commandment? Thou shalt not steal. So what duties required? Moderation of our judgment, wills, and affections concerning worldly goods. If my affections are running crazy as I think about worldly goods, what am I going to want to do? Steal yours, right? Um, how about um, the sins forbidden in the eighth commandment? 
So what's forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? Inordinate prizing and affecting worldly goods. And that's just the opposite of what we said earlier, right? So is there anything wrong with having worldly goods? No, that's not the sin. The sin is inordinately prizing and affecting them, right? I, I really want that thing, and therefore you have that thing, and therefore I'm going to take that thing, right? By the way, what's an easy way to remember the Eighth Commandment? An octopus has eight arms. Very good, son. All right. The Ninth Commandment. Duties. The duties required in the Ninth Commandment. Uh, what's the Ninth Commandment? What? Don't be, you're not, we're not lying. We're not bearing false witness. Here's how you obey the Ninth Commandment. A charitable esteem of our neighbors, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name. If, I'm, if I love you and my thoughts about you are loving, then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, and I care that you have a good name, right? So I, my emotions have to be involved with obeying that. Um, oh, my. We're almost done. We're almost out of commandments. Uh, what sins are forbidden in the ninth commandment? Um, rejoicing in the disgrace and infamy of anyone scornful contempt of anyone, fond admiration. Huh. So whether I think too badly of you or too goodly of you, that's probably not a good thing. Um, what duties are required in the Tenth Commandment? What's the Tenth Commandment? Yes. What is on that list that blows my mind? Your, your neighbor's donkey? I was like, are you kidding me? You can come take my donkey. Any of you can come have my donkey right now. Okay? I don't know what that's about. But anyway, the duties required in the Tenth Commandment. A charitable frame of the whole soul toward our neighbor. Does that include your emotions? A charitable frame of the whole soul toward our neighbor as that all our inward motions and affections touching him, all of them, I, I, need to be, I need to be so much have my affections geared toward your good that I would never want to take your stuff. Right? I never would want to even covet your stuff, much less steal it. I got to covet it before I steal it, right? What are the sins forbidden in the Tenth Commandment? Um, all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. I mean, that, that Ford truck you got, it sounds good. But I better not like it too much. And you got a Georgia sticker on it, so I ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> so hopefully what we see is that to obey, I mean, to understand God himself, we have to, we have to understand affections. Um, to obey God, we better be thinking about our affections because those things have got to be in line if we, for us to even obey the commandments. And certainly they're involved with our sin and disobeying those commandments. So I hope that's, that has teased you enough to say, I can read the book of Judges anytime. And I will, I'll come down here to this class. Um, by the way, Pastor David preached through the book of Judges not too long after he came here. 
So if you really want those sermons real bad, you can go listen to those things. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there so we can stick with the emotions class. Any, any thoughts, ideas, or comments before we close? The book is Untangling Emotions. Um, and we will start with chapter one next week. Jacob. No? Okay, let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you that everything that we need um, to live as Christians and to understand you is expressly written in your word. We thank you that your word is not void of talking about the part of our human nature that maybe some of us don't want to talk about, and that is our emotions. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes during this class to see what your word has to say involving our emotions and our thoughts. Uh, Father, we know that those things are required for us to understand you uh, to understand exactly what Christ did when he became man, to understand ourselves and our fallen nature, to understand our sanctification that we're supposed to be working toward, um, and, and to obey your commands. Father, we pray we would think about these things. We thank you for this Lord's Day. We do pray that we would be grateful for the Lord's Day and, have, and give you praise as you deserve on this special day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.